Good morning, everybody. Uh, the table to join me. Thank you for jumping on. And those who are watching later and watching by replay, I really appreciate you jumping on to watch that as well. Uh, I just want to check something really quick here. So give me just a second. And I really enjoy and appreciate spending my time with you guys. And those of you that watch or watch by replay and comment, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with me on Sundays. So I, I uh, jumped on maybe a couple minutes late because I was watching a, uh, and uh, that was an interesting experience, uh, not having been in a real church service since uh, before the pandemic. I think last March, like 15th or something was probably the last time <clears throat> that we're in church. Missed two, what do you call them, uh, Easter Sundays, which I just can't even believe. I mean, I think that's the only time I've ever missed Easter because I'm quite sure I was in church every other time since the time I was born. So kind of, kind of weird watching the praise and worship and, um, you know, good people, uh, watching the prayer time and just thinking, yeah, I don't really miss that. <laughs> I would much rather, uh, I would much rather stay, uh, home and do this. We do have a church still. However, we have a, uh, we receive offerings, um, and we have a building that we are, that we have under contract that we're in the process of selling and then figuring out what's going to be the next step for us and for our ministry. Uh, looking at some other property, uh, in the area, just trying to kind of figure stuff out, but I'm going to be taking a break once I get through this contract part and get the stuff out of the building, pulling my hair out, trying to do all that stuff. Uh, get all that stuff figured out. Then I'm going to take a bit of a break for a while. Um, maybe even from doing these. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. I really enjoy doing this. And uh, I know for several of you, it brings some value to you. At least you tell me that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I'm kind of tired. But anyway, so I was watching this church video. And I was just reflecting back on my experience with church. And for the most part, I'm really grateful. For the most part, I mean, church brought me so many, my relationship in the church, uh, my relationship with God through the Bible, all that stuff brought me a lot, a lot of really good things. It taught me how to manifest stuff, how to, how to, uh, which is what I want to talk about today, how, how to manifest. I talked with uh, Derek Day about this on Friday, manifestation, manifesting things. So I want to talk about that a little bit more today. But, uh, so I want to talk about manifestation and I, and I realized that a lot of what I do and have done and have experienced from manifestation, I got from the scriptures from the Bible. So while there is a lot of crap in the Bible, a lot of junk in the Bible, uh, there is also some really good mystical revelation and stuff in there as well, I think. Also, I got, you know, introduced to the spiritual world, introduced to the supernatural, introduced to God, source, divine, whatever you want to call it. And so for the most part, I had a really positive experience. We saw a lot of people healed. We saw a lot of miracles. We saw a lot of people healed from a lot of various different things, not just uh, diseases, not just, uh, you know, problems in their physical bodies, but we saw a lot of people get emotionally healed and set free and stuff as well. It's one thing I'm really grateful for. I spent some time uh, being part of legalistic groups 
Uh, much like I see Doug Wentz on here. Doug's group was like off the charts. Um, legalistic, like one of the worst I've ever heard. But I did, I was with a group that was similar to that for a while uh, in the 90s. And then we were part of a couple networks of churches that were pretty damn legalistic. And we got caught up in it a little bit. But for the most part, we really tried to emphasize uh, grace and love and peace and empowerment and faith and hope. And one of the things that constantly kept me going when I was in ministry, which I still am in ministry, but when I was doing traditional ministry, like I was before, you know, in, in the Christian church and preaching and doing all that stuff. Um, one of the things that kept me going was First Corinthians chapter 13 said, you know, all the gifts will pass away, knowledge will pass away, prophecy will pass away. But these three will abide, faith, hope, and love. And so I thought, um, make those the three foundations of my life, the three foundations of our ministry. If what we're doing is not producing faith, if what I'm preaching and saying is not producing faith, if it's not producing hope, if it's not producing love, then uh, then it's not producing anything eternal. So that was kind of the frame set or mindset framework that we came from with the church. Um, <laughs> and we did some crazy stuff. But so for the most part, it was really good. Now, there's a lot of negative energies. Man, there's some negative stuff in the Bible. And if I could remember the passages well enough, or if I could bring on, you know, a couple of my friends that were used to be pa used to be pastors that were really into the scriptures, it would be so much fun, I think, to do uh, a, like a live episode or something on all the crazy shit that's in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm bringing that up because I was reminded of one last night. Uh, my son, uh, both my boys have grown out their hair pretty long. And, uh, I mean, long for them, longer than normal for them. It's usually in the summer, they shave it off and, um, you know, skin tight. And <laughs> Elijah's even gone totally bald a couple of times. And so Elijah decides last night that he wants to shave his, shave his hair. And, uh, Josiah has been refusing to brush his hair and do some things. So it's getting really kind of, you know, the knots in it, the tangles in it and stuff. And so his mom said, if you don't brush your hair, if you don't take a shower and brush your hair tonight, uh, Josiah, I'm going to cut off all your hair. And then Elijah's like, yeah, I want to cut off my hair. And Josiah wants to keep his, right? He doesn't want to cut it off. So he tells uh, Elijah, he says, if you uh, shave your head, <clears throat> bald, he says, I'm going to tease you. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of you. Josiah said that to Elijah. And Elijah tells him, um, well, if you do, then if we get into a fight, I'm going to be able to pull your hair. He said, that first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grab and pull your hair, Josiah. And he said, what are you going to do with me? Play patty cake on my head? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So I posted that. I put that in the post. Some of you may have seen it because I just thought it was so funny. And uh, somebody, I can't remember who right now, not somebody that comments a lot on my stuff, um, <laughs> but throws a comment out there and says, uh, uh, kind of like, you know, the story in the Bible, <laughs> Second Kings something. And so there's a story in the Bible where the prophet Elijah <clears throat> is, you know, I don't know, just walking around doing whatever prophets do. And there's a group of children that mock him and call him bald head or baldy. So they're mocking the prophet Elijah for his bald head. And then the scripture says that these bears come out of the forest, I think, and they devour the bears, eat these children. Right. And so that's there's some crazy shit in the Bible. I mean, there really is. That's crazy. Uh, another crazy thing is, uh, when Moses, after he's, you've heard me mention this one, after he's at the burning bush 
God sends him to be the deliverer of Egypt. Everything's good. He gives him the signs, the wonders, tells him what he's going to do, tells him, sends him out. And then when he's on his way to Egypt, it says that his son was not circumcised and the Lord was going to kill Moses. And so in order for the Lord not to kill Moses, now this just gets me right, because God talks to Moses about his journey, his mission. God sends him on a mission because the cry and the groaning of his people has come up. And so he's sending, he talks to him at the burning bush. He's sending him on this mission, but then he finds out that his son still has foreskin on his penis. And so he God's not even going to talk like like talking's over. Like, like, yeah, I know I'm sending you on the mission, but uh, the talking is over because <laughs> you didn't cut the foreskin off your child's penis. <laughs> and so God's going to kill him. So Moses has to, you know, real fast snip, snip or chop, chop or however they did it back then. <laughs> and this, of course, pisses off his wife. Uh, can you imagine that kind of fight? Honey, you know, I, I gotta do this. You're gonna do what? I got, I gotta do this to my son. What? Yeah, uh, or God's gonna kill me. I thought God just sent you on a mission. Yeah, but if I don't do this, God's gonna kill me. <laughs> You're not doing that to my son. No, you don't get it. <laughs> oh, God. Like, how in the world? Hey, Kyle Butler, good to see you, man. We're going to have to try to connect again soon. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, just some crazy stuff in the Bible, right? Like, there's just some really crazy shit. Um, anyway, it would be fun to, to look at all that stuff. Uh, there's some really gross and disgusting and horrific stuff as well. Um, you know, I mean, you, you got at least a couple of instances You've got the, you know, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, and then you got the story in Judges where that's uh, very similar, where the angels come to stay with Lot, right, to get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels come to stay with them, and a bunch of guys, uh, <laughs> a bunch of sexual predators surround the house because they want to rape the men. They want to rape the angels. They want to sleep with the men. And, um, and Lot says, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, guys, I got three virgin daughters. I'll throw them out there and you can do with them whatever you want to do. <laughs> Just leave my guests alone. And, and this is the patterns from which we are taking our lives, right? These are the things that never get preached about on a Sunday morning. Uh, but it'd be fun. That's not my purpose today, but it'd be fun to do a whole episode on that. So while there is some really crazy shit, if you read the Bible literally, there is some really nasty, horrible energies that are in it, uh, a lot of negativity, <laughs> negative stuff that's in there. But at the same time, there's a lot of revelation for life. At least there was for me, things that I still use and, and still uh, don't need the Bible to prove it. But I can say I learned this from studying the scriptures. I learned this from meditating on the scriptures. I learned this from praying over the scriptures, these principles, and then I proved them out and they worked. So it's it's hard for me to relate to guys that are like, uh, nothing ever worked for me in Christianity because that was not my experience. Uh, when I was talking to Derek Day last Friday, he talked about giving away one of his cars uh, that he felt the Lord told him to give it to one of the young men in the church. And so he gives away one of his cars. And then he was just talking about how he's reaped a harvest off of that. So even the, the in fact, I got to tell you the sowing and the reaping thing that everybody criticizes the, you know, tithing and uh, sowing and reaping. Um, 
And if you do that, then, you know, you're going to have blessing. I know that's not everybody's experience, but I got to tell you, that absolutely was my experience. And I could tell you story after story after story. But part of the reason that that worked is because of the principles of manifestation. See, if all you were ever taught was you just give your tithe, you just give your money into something. And because you gave, and that's all you had to do, because you gave, you're going to be blessed and prosperous. Then most of you found out that that didn't work. But if you knew some of the principles of manifestation and you knew how to connect your giving and why giving would be an important part of manifestation, why sowing a seed would be an important part of manifestation. And I'm talking about any kind of manifestation. I'm not just talking about money. Um, there were times that we gave offerings as an act, as an action towards manifesting something. And after we gave the offering, the thing that we had been believing for was manifested. So the first thing I want to say about manifestation, I want to give you, let's say, five things, five things that can help you manifest uh, stuff in your life so that the stuff can show up in your life. And I want to start with, number one, um, let's just talk about the power that's in you, the power of your mind. Let's don't make this spooky. Let's don't make this word weird. Let's don't make this too super spiritual. Um, there really is mental power. Your mind, your consciousness is a very, very powerful force. Your thoughts give off energy. It's It can be measured. It's how they measure. I think it's how they do EEGs or whatever. We had to take our son. One of our sons when he was born uh, was uh, shaking quite a bit. And so we wanted to get him tested for, you know, he just had these episodes where he'd just shake for a little bit and then he calmed down like a month old or two months old. So we took him in for an EEG to see if he was having seizures or if everything was okay. I think it's what it was. They connected, you know, all these things to his head. And anyway, they were able to read stuff. You have, you, you hear the saying neurons that fire together, neurons that fire together, wire together. So you've got a, Energy, electricity, literally electromagnetic energy flowing through your brain. So your thoughts are energy. And then with the EKG, with the heart, and I forget how much stronger the energy is that comes from your heart, but it's many, many times, multiple times over stronger than the energy that comes from your brain or your thoughts. So you have this energy from your heart that can also be measured, that is, that is being put out uh, around you and that we know scientifically absolutely exists. Now, we also know intuitively, and we also know from our experiences, that people have a certain presence about them. People carry a certain energy. There are some people that that you can just tell that they walk around most of the time pretty defeated. There are other people that they, they, they maybe are more charismatic. They have a more engaging energy. There are some people that have definitely the fuck off energy, the the, the resting bitch face, so to speak, that just lets people know, you know, stay away. <laughs> I really should watch my language on Sunday mornings. I apologize. Uh, I've gotten out of the habit of doing that. So uh, <laughs> we don't want to be offensive if we don't have to be. So my point is that you as a human being, you are giving off um energy all the time. You are putting out something all the time. And this energy signature that you have is very closely related to what you think about and what you feel. So your thoughts and your feelings is part of what creates this energetic signature 
that you are giving off and that you are putting out. And, and that it can be attracting stuff or repelling stuff. Uh, in social settings, you could be attracting people or you could be putting people off, um, with your presence and your demeanor and your energy and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's a simple way. But I, I want you to understand that you have the power to create change in yourself. You have the power to create change in the natural world. You have the power to heal. You have the power to get abundance. You can do all of this stuff. You really can. The power's in you, and it's in your mind. It's connected to your mind. It's connected to your emotions. So it's not this thing where you don't have the power and you've got to get God or I saw somebody put put in the comments sky God or sky daddy or whatever um <clears throat> so it, it, it's not that in fact that's a very disempowering frame so one of the things that we would teach you know from the scriptures when people come into our church one of the things the the first thing that we would try to get them to understand is that God is in Side of you, that God is in you, Christ in you. It was the hope of glory. Uh, first, I mean, I would quote these scriptures, you know, Christ in you is the hope of glory. You can do all things through Christ who empowers and strengthens you. Uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Within you is a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. To him who is able to do exceedingly greatly abundantly above and beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that works in you to him be glory in the church throughout all generations so the power is in you the divine power but here's the problem that we had in the church we made it too mysterious we made it too mystical we made it too uh, spiritual we'd say this is not positive i would hear faith preachers you know this is not positive thinking this is not the power of the mind no yes it absolutely is the power of your mind or if some of you were part of this, you know, movement in the church, maybe you went through, this came through in the 90s really strongly, um, this whole spirit, soul, and body idea, right? Like, like you've got a spirit man, you've got a soul, and you live in a body. You, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, right? And, and I don't know why the soul in those circles was seen as wicked, but like the only part of you that was good was, was uh, your spirit. I remember Andrew Walmack used to say, uh, one third of you is wall to wall God. Well, that's great. What about the, 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 the two thirds of me? Well, you got to renew your mind. You don't pay attention to your emotions. Your, your emotions absolutely are no good whatsoever. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying I believe this. Don't misunderstand me. I'm telling you, this is what we were taught in this whole spirit, soul and body, uh, model. They, they, they would tell you, uh, that, that your, your will needs to be broken. And surrendered over to the will of God. Your mind needs to be renewed. So you need to change your thoughts. And you renew your mind by studying the scriptures. <clears throat> and confessing the word. Speaking the word. Praying. And uh, your your body needs to be beaten into subjection. And, and in some cases. Because Paul said that. Paul said I buffet my body. I, I beat my body into subjection. you got to understand. <laughs> you guys. Those guys out there. They want you to take the Bible literally. The Apostle Paul threatened the Corinthian church that he was going to come beat on them with rods if they were disobedient. And that they could either respond to his word or they could respond to his, respond to the beatings he was going to lay down on them. Uh, he talked about beating himself. So, you know, I mean, some of that stuff's in there. He, he talks about handing some guy over to Satan. He didn't like who the guy was sleeping with. So he says, I'm going to hand, uh, 
you know, this guy, when we get together, I mean, this is one of my favorite passages. We're going to have a, we're going to have a satanic seance. We are, I mean, check this out, right? He tells the church at Corinth in first Corinthians, he says, this guy over here, he's sleeping with somebody. You guys have, have not done anything about that. So here's what we're going to do. He says, I'm going to astral travel. I'm going to travel in the spirit and I'm going to be present in your gathering. And when I am with you in spirit and we have come together, we are going to conjure up the powers of darkness. <laughs> we are going to conjure up Satan. And we are going to hand such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his body, for the preservation of his spirit. <laughs> try preaching that on Sunday morning, preachers. Try try that one in your in your church. Sadly, sadly, I'm sure Doug would attest to this. If Doug Wentz, if he's still watching, <clears throat> would attest that he probably was in some services. Where they, they might even hide that. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> so, but it, where did your feelings go? So here's the deal. So your spirit is pure and holy. <clears throat> your mind needs to be renewed to the truth of the word of God. Uh, your body needs to be beaten into subjection and your emotions. We just, we don't even know what the hell to do with the emotions. So we just don't even address it. We just don't even go there. And, uh, <laughs> we don't go there. Um, I'm not moved by what I feel, right? So I had to produce some kind of spirit power to try to get things to happen. Um, I had to try to believe hard enough to get, like somebody said, Sky Daddy convinced that I believed him enough that he was going to move on my behalf or something. And uh, and so all that stuff just makes it so complicated and so complex and crazy. So here's the deal. It's your mind. It's your thoughts. It's your emotions. If you're going to manifest stuff. Uh, you really can do it from the inside out. You really can. Your future is inside you. The things you want are already present inside you. The power to get the things you want is already there inside of you. And, uh, oh, let's see. Doug says, yep, I've seen congregants start going insane when that was done to them by the apostle. Yeah, I bet. Woo. Oh, let me say this. I'm glad, I'm glad I read that. Uh, let me say this too. So I had really positive, for the most part, really positive experiences in um in the church like and from the bible and learned a lot of the stuff that i'm talking about even now and can use scriptures to teach and quote whatever a lot of junk in the bible too uh but here's the thing that i i was in a constant state of at least some level of anxiety constantly all the time constantly wondering if i was doing the right thing if i was in the will of god uh occasionally worried about Gee, am I really saved? Because Jesus said there'd be many that say, Lord, Lord, and they even did miracles and signs and wonders, but he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Um, just, um, yeah. So while I could recognize, hey, there was a lot of good stuff that came from my church experience, there was a lot of uh, nervous energy, a lot of negativity, a lot of judgment, right? Being judgmental of certain groups of people. Uh, or having judgments coming back on me from everything, from the way I wore my hair to the to the labels on my shirts. I mean, I, I could preach the paint off the wall, as they would say, and somebody would critic, criticize me because I was wearing a designer shirt or something, and, and a pastor shouldn't be wearing a designer shirt or or something like that. Um, well, I'm wearing this, this Broncos thing. I remember one time uh, <laughs> I talked about, uh, it was one of the years that Denver was in the Super Bowl, and I, I talked about uh, the Broncos or something in a church service. 
And by the time I got home from church, this guy had called me up and left me like a five or ten minute rant about, man, church sure would have been good. This is what he said. Church sure would have been good today, Pastor, if I hadn't been choking on the dust of Egypt from all that foot bail worship that I was hearing about today. If people would only get as excited about Jesus as they get excited about the Broncos, there'd be revival. But but we were so busy choking on the dust of Egypt. And he just went on for like five or ten minutes. Foot bail worship. <laughs> So I was in a constant state of anxiety. So I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, and so I've sorted that out. I've sorted that out. And I've left the Christian religion still in ministry, still figuring out what we're doing and what our next move is, uh, and what that's going to look like. But it's definitely not going to look like anything from the past. All right. So let's, let's get into this. So the power's in you. So the first thing, you have to decide what you want. You have to decide what it is that you want. Now, that sounds very simple until you start exploring it. <laughs> Brittany says, what an asshole, for sure. You have to decide what you want. And that again, that sounds simple until you start exploring it. Now, the word decision means uh, it comes from scission, where you get incision or excision. Uh, it means literally to cut. And D means to cut off. So when you make a decision, you are cutting something off and that can be painful and that's why a lot of people stay in indecisiveness and probably the number one reason that more people don't manifest more things in their lives is because they are indecisive they can't make a quality decision and a quality commitment to what it is that they say or think that they want to have um <clears throat> so if you think about it this way quantum physics tells us that everything exists in a waveform or everything exists in a realm of potential or possibility. And when an observer shows up, then those uh, potential possibilities, waveforms collapse and you get what you perceive as solid matter or as your experience. Now, I probably didn't get that all right, but I'm not a quantum physicist. I don't really give a damn. But here's the point. Let's look at it this way. From this moment forward, everything about your life, everything about your life exists. Your future already exists, but it exists right now in this moment being held in a myriad, perhaps thousands, perhaps millions of potentials. There are many Many, many, many myriads and myriads and myriads and myriads of potential possibilities for you from this moment forward. From this point in time forward, you can have, you can experience so many things that it's overwhelming. And so you've got at this moment, let's say a thousand different timelines that you could go down, that your life could go down. So much potential possibility. And those of you that, that may be struggling, those of you that may be discouraged, I want to encourage you today that, that your future is not set in stone. Whatever you're struggling with, it doesn't have to be permanent. There can be plasticity to it. There can be flexibility to it. Uh, sometimes we keep our problem because we just were so locked into the belief that our problem is permanent. I remember so many miracle services praying for people that had pain in their bodies. 
and they would get instantly healed, and they would have this disoriented look on their faces, and you would talk to them after the service, and they said, all I've felt for the last 10 years, the last 15 years, the last 20 years, the last 5 years, all I've felt is pain, and it's so weird not feeling the pain, <clears throat> and I don't know like they can't even relate to themselves without pain. Some people have made their problems so permanent that they can't relate to themselves without their problem. So they keep perpetuating the problem. So here's the thing. If you want your problem, keep it. It doesn't have to be permanent. You, you, you don't know the future. Your brain, your neocortex is designed in a different way to keep you safe than the deeper parts of your brain, which they call the reptilian brain or the first brain, or the, the first part of the evolutionary brain. That's where your fight-and-flight response is contained. So it's just that emotional response of, I'm, I'm ready to fight, I want to run away. And so we got that stuff going on. But you also have a neocortex, and it's a little bit more sophisticated. And the way it tries to keep you safe is by thinking about the future. Because if you can think about the future and anticipate the future and anticipate the danger that may be coming at you in the future, you can be prepared for it and that way you can survive and you can thrive. So your brain is always going to project itself, always going to be projecting something of the future there. I mean, that's just, that's the way your neural circuitry, your brain, that's the way it works. That's the way it's built. Which is why you can't really totally live in the present moment all the time and if you think you are <laughs> if, if i say to you you can't live in the present moment all the time and you say oh yes i have you just didn't or you say oh yes i can you just didn't because you would have to reference the past times when you lived in the moment to know if you'd lived in the moment up till now before anyway <laughs> Or you have to project into the future and say, oh, no, yes, it absolutely is possible to live in the moment. You just left the present moment because <laughs> your brain is constantly going to be thinking about the past and the future. It's nothing wrong with it. I'm so tired of these spiritual systems. I mean, if there's one thing I would got tired of, if there was one thing I got exhausted of in, in Christianity and in religion, if there is one thing I quit, listen, I didn't quit God. I didn't necessarily quit the Bible. I didn't quit teaching. I didn't quit the ministry. Per se, because I'm, I'm still an ordained minister. Uh, I didn't quit. I, I, I did quit going to church on Sunday mornings. But, but one thing I quit, one thing I absolutely quit is working against my own nature, warring against myself, dehumanizing my humanity with spirituality. <laughs> Like that was exhausting. Wasn't that exhausting for you? Didn't you get tired? Didn't you get tired of beating your flesh into submission? Didn't you get tired of, of, of all the stuff that religion told you you had to do? Didn't you get tired of being at war with your flesh or at war with your mind? Uh, didn't you get tired of being at odds with the world? Didn't you get tired of judging everybody that was around you? Like, so why in the world do you want to leave one system and take on another system that has you attempting to do stuff that is absolutely against your nature? And one of those things is to be constantly in the present moment. <laughs> People. <laughs> now, I know that presence and mindfulness before you jump on here and lecture me or jump off or whatever, I know that presence and mindfulness and part of it is that when your brain is thinking about the past, 
be in the past. When your brain is thinking about the future, I mean, thinking about the past, be in the present moment with your brain and say, okay, in this present moment, I'm thinking about the past. Or if you're thinking about the future, your present moment, say, okay, in this present moment, I'm thinking about the future. And I believe those disciplines are helpful as long as they're applied in a way that is resourceful for you and helpful for you and not in a way that makes you feel like you have to fight against something. Because I'm telling you right now, your neocortex, your new brain, the brain you have at this level of your evolution and at this level of your incarnation does two things to keep you safe. It goes back to the patterns of your past and projects it into your future so that you can think about the future and be prepared so that you can survive and you can thrive. That's what your brain does. That's why you worry. That's why you have anxiety. That's why you can't get the thoughts out of your head. That's why sometimes when you meditate, you can't get your brain to stop. It's not supposed to stop. All right. <laughs> I'm not getting very far through my five points here. So, so let yourself off the hook and quit trying to do stuff that, that you're just not wired, uh, not to do. All right. And people, they, they just, they grab hold of a teaching. It sounds good. It helps them. It blesses their life. They don't do their due diligence. They don't know anything about the brain. They don't know anything about psychology. They don't trust science. And they just go out and start teaching a bunch of spiritual mumbo jumbo with the same energy, the same energy. Come on. There are atheists that teach atheism as evangelistically as they probably preach their Christianity. The only thing they swapped was belief systems. Their energetic form never changed. All right. So my point was to encourage you, though. Listen, your brain is going to project in the future what your life's going to be like tomorrow. Your brain's going to project in the future what your life's going to be like next week. Your brain's going to project into your future what it's going to be like next month, next year, five years from now, ten years from now. And if you've had a problem that has persisted in your past, then your brain, you cannot help yourself. But to understand that your brain is going to take that, that problem that has persisted in your past and you are going to see a future version of yourself with that same problem and that does create an illusion. Now this part is true. Whatever I'm projecting about the future, whatever I'm doing with the past, all of that is an illusion. So if I had a problem that was permanent in the past and I'm projecting it into my future, the, the, that future reality of me with that problem, of me at a certain economic status, of me living with pain, of me being in a negative, stressful relationship, whatever the case may be, um, yeah, you, you're going to see that, but that doesn't make it real. So what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is you cannot trust all the stuff that goes up on on up here to accurately forecast your future. Number two, you can't get rid of all the negative stuff that's up here, so don't think that you gotta get rid of the negativity or you're not gonna be able to manifest something positive. Because again, you're just putting yourself into more bondage that way, right? Like some people teach the law of attraction, like if you dwell on negative stuff, you, you know, then negative things are gonna come into your life. And there is some truth to that, but it puts people in such negative, like such bondage that, that instead of empowering them to change their life and have what they want, uh, it causes them to feel more guilt and shame and, and, and my God, you know, look at, uh, these problems that I created for myself. So let's stay out of all those, all that stuff. So the first thing is you have to decide. So you, you got myriads of possibilities for yourself to make a decision is to cut 
everything else, the vast, vast, vast majority of that stuff off, and you're choosing and focusing on one thing. You're choosing and focusing upon one outcome for yourself. So you have to make the decision. You have to decide what you want. And sometimes what you want isn't so easy because there are parts of you that don't want what you want. I'm going to say that again. There are parts inside of you that don't want what you want. Classic example is I, I was, I, I've always, for the most part, throughout my life, kept myself fit, physically fit. Um, you know, I was in the gym a lot, except for the last three, four, five years. Uh, and so I've gained weight. My blood pressure has gone up. Uh, all the stuff that goes with that, um, <clears throat> with that stuff, right? My, uh, my, <laughs> my muscles have gotten smaller, except for my table muscle has gotten stronger, right? So I know how to fix this. I know the right things to eat. I know the right way to eat. I know my body. I know what my body responds to. I know what to do in the gym. I know how to work out. I know all the various processes, best way to burn fat, all that stuff. I've, I've studied and read all that stuff. I don't do anything that I, that's one thing about me. If I do something, I do it all the way. And I, I do a lot of research on everything. So I know the quickest way that I could drop pounds, all that stuff. I know what to do. I absolutely know what to do. And there is a part of me that wants to feel better. And there is a part of me that wants to look better. There's a part of me that I get inspired and think, I'm going to be my best self. I th This is it. No more chocolate cake. No more uh, fast food. Um, no more uh, drinking alcohol. And I am going to eat Nature food. I'm, I'm going to eat <laughs> arugula and spinach and kale and tomatoes and cucumbers and watermelon and strawberries and asparagus and Brussels sprouts and fish. That's all I'm going to eat. And I'm going to drink water and I'm going to juice a little bit and I'm going to take the right kinds of supplements and I'm going to get in the gym and I'm going to work out. An hour a day, like I used to, I used to work out sometimes two hours a day. So an hour a day wouldn't be a big deal for me. I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to work for an hour a day. Brittany says, how long does that last? Well, in my past, in fairness, in my past, but that was my lifestyle. But so, see, here's the thing. Like part of me, so I get inspired. I think, damn it, I'm going to hit it hard. You know, I'm going to do that. And then there's the part of me. That likes not being working on a goal right now. Like that's part of the problem I have right now. Like I'm enjoying life, like not directing my energies or working towards accomplishing anything, just kind of being open to the flow of life. I'm liking that. Um, I like fast food sometimes. I like not having to sit there and think about what I'm doing. I like the pattern that I'm in. Get it? So there's a conflict there. Now, another part of this conflict is I'm also using my time for a lot of stuff. Um, I've got a full-time job that I absolutely love. I love the people that I work with. I love what I do. I'm teaching online classes. I'm doing these things on Sunday mornings. I'm doing the things with Derek. So I've got my internet 
presence that's out there. Uh, I also have private paying clients that I see during the week. Somewhere in there, I'm a dad. <laughs> and so I love to be with my kids and spend time with my kids. I'm a husband. Uh, somewhere in there, I got to find time for myself. Plus, I like to be able to relax and just watch some movies or some TV or something. And so where do I find the time to go to the gym? Well, I have to cut it out on my sleep schedule. Well, I don't want to cut it out on my sleep schedule. So now I've got time conflicts. I've got to take away something here to add something here. I'm spending a lot of time on decision because this is the number one reason people do not manifest what they want because they cannot decide conclusively, congruently, strongly, and powerfully on the outcome that they want. So they just stay stuck. They stay in indecision. So you have to decide and you have to look at every aspect of your life and say, if I do this, what is this going to affect? Um, just to give you another example, <laughs> when we were first learning some of this stuff, uh, my wife was working on uh, the lotto numbers. She was she was going to manifest um, lottery winnings. And we had a friend that did that. We, we absolutely had a friend that did that, worked with them. Um, used to always talk about how he was going to win the lottery and he was buying the next winning lottery ticket. Did that for a few years, was totally convinced, and one day he did, won millions of dollars in the lottery. And so it wasn't outside of the realm of our possibilities, and so we were working through this process. And then we got to thinking about how that much money that quickly was going to change our lives. And this may sound crazy to you, but as we thought through the changes that that much money would bring into our lives, we decided that we didn't need that much money. We decided we didn't want that much money. And so we quit trying to manifest, not because we got discouraged, but because we realized if we get this outcome, it's going to change our lives in these ways that we are not going to enjoy. So that you got to think through that stuff. When I get this, how is it going to change my life? Not just for the better, but you've got to think through what are the things about me that will be different? What are the things that I will have to give up in order to have this outcome? So for some people that maybe have sickness in their body or pain in their body, and maybe they're on disability insurance, and maybe they're comfortable with that lifestyle, then maybe to manifest healing, they would have to give up that aspect of dis disability insurance or whatever. And I know disability insurance isn't a lot to live on. I'm just trying to give you an, an, an example. And so maybe... Um, they don't want to give that up because they don't want to have to go get a job or they don't want to have to work or you, you, you get it. There are some people that like the attention that they get from being sick. There are some people that enjoy being sick. They enjoy the attention that they get from being sick. And so um, for them, healing, the, the benefit of the attention and love and care and people waiting on them, hand and foot that they get from being sick, is more important to them than being well. I don't judge that person at all. I understand they are getting what they want. It's their choice. I'm not judging it as right, wrong, or whatever. I don't think that's what I would want for myself, but I'm going to let them do them. So decide what you want. The second thing is you've you got to believe this whole process, you have to believe that you can get it without working for it. Now, here's what I mean by that. You have to believe you can get it 
by manifesting it through this process of mentation rather than going out and doing stuff to try to make it happen. So that you allow stuff to come to you and when stuff comes to you, then you take action. So, so you got to formulate the outcome first. You got to make sure it's what you want. Then the second thing you do is you imagine yourself having that outcome. Go ahead and let your imagination just, just run out there and see yourself and put yourself in a future in your mind where you have the thing that you already want. Let me say this too. It's not enough to say what you don't want. Well, I want to stop drinking or I want to stop drinking coffee or I want to quit smoking or I want to even lose weight because you're still losing. You're still talking about what you don't want. I don't want this weight. I don't want this. Uh, I don't want bill collectors calling me. Um, I don't want all the strife and tension that I have in my current relationship. Like if you focus on what you don't want, you're going to give energy and mental power to what you don't want. So you have to ask yourself, what do I want instead? So I know for me, I got to keep focused on a healthy lifestyle and a better looking physique because those would be the things that I would want. I would want to feel better. I would want to be healthier. I would want to be stronger. And I would want to be better looking. <laughs> I know. Um, and I'm not ashamed to admit that, that that would be part of my motivation. Because if I'm ashamed to admit that, it's not, I'm not going to be as motivated, right? Um, so focusing on what you want rather than what you don't want, putting yourself in that place of having it until, and I know you all know this, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but until you manifest the feeling that you would have when you have it, until you manifest some sense of gratitude or some sense of relief, let's say that you can't pay your bills, and so you have to think about the specific amount of money that you want. Don't just, well, I want more money. Well, okay, somebody hand you $2, you got exactly what you asked for. You got more money. I just want more money, Aaron. That's all I want. Just give me more money. More money. Well, you got a $3 a month raise. Guess what? You just got your more money. You got to be more specific. Got to be more specific. Well, I just, I just want to be healthy. I just want to be healthy. I just want my health. And you get your health. And three days later, you die in a car accident. It's not funny if you die in a car accident, but you, you get my point. So you got to be specific about it. Then you got to see it. Then you got to feel it as though you already have it. Then you have to ground it. And this is where a lot of people miss it. You've got to ground it into something physical. The way you ground it into something physical, there's many, many different ways, and you can be creative with this. But this is where a lot of people miss it. It only exists in the head. It only exists as a dream. It only exists as a vision. You have to ground it somehow 
in physical reality or physical re representation. So I know people that wanted a certain sum of money, so they wrote a check to themselves, posted it on their refrigerator. This is where giving comes in. This is why I was saying we would sow towards outcomes and we would almost always receive because we could ground literally like a seed. If we took money, particularly if we sowed it into someone who was needing what we wanted. So, for example, Derek Day mentioned that he gave his car away. And since that time, he's been, you know, given cars and, and been blessed to drive really nice cars. Uh, <clears throat> so that kind of a thing, finding someone who needs what you want and giving towards them or someone who has what you want, giving money towards that, giving money towards teachings and truths, that kind of thing. I still believe in that. I, I don't think that's a con. It's a con if you're telling people, well, if you give me money, then, you know, uh, God's going to magically do something to provide for you. But there is an energy exchange. There is something that can be imparted to people who give. <laughs> there just is. I believe in that. Curse me if you want to. I've just seen it work too many times. So creating, uh, I, know, I know another couple that was struggling with infertility. And so they got a high chair, a baby high chair. And they would sit the baby high chair at their table. And they'd get out Gerber's every night for dinner for months before they finally conceived and gave birth to a couple of, of boys later on. So doing something that grounds it. So deciding what you want, imagining that you have it, putting yourself in your imagination like you have it, getting the feeling that you've got it, realizing don't go out there and mess it up trying to make it happen. Let it happen. Let it come to you. And then grounding it. Another great way to ground it is, uh, Sigils. It'd be fun. I'd love to bring Doug Wentz on and talk about sigils. But you can, you can, a sigil is a, is a, simply a drawing, a symbol, something that you draw or that you symbolize in some way that represents symbolically the outcome that you're looking for. Now, the reason sigils can be so powerful or these kind of symbols can be so powerful is because the way you'll mess this up is by going back into those old thought patterns of not having it. So the best thing to do sometimes is forget it. Forget about it and let it go. And so sigils can help your mind stay focused on the outcome because you're drawing a symbolic picture that symbolizes what you want, that represents what you want, but does not look or sound anything like what you want. So, you know, squiggly lines and circles and uh, some some guys will take uh, what they want and they'll put it in a sentence and they'll take the first letter of every word in the sentence and they'll arrange it in some kind of a design so that your conscious mind can't really connect anything in that image or in that picture to the thing that you want. But your subconscious mind remembers that's the representation of it. So when you need to meditate on it, instead of having to recreate the imagination that you've got it and the feeling that you've got it, you can pull out that sigil. But also, the sigil grounds it, grounds it in the right here and now. Some people charge objects. You can charge a candle, for example. You could take a candle, and you can concentrate and put the thought and put the feeling and put the imagination of the outcome, not the energy 
opposite the outcome. So I'm not at a state of financial stress because I can't pay my bills and I can't bring myself to a place of peace. And then I'm going to charge the candle because what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge the candle. Yes, vision board, somebody said. Uh, yes, do a live on sigils. So, so, um, yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know why this just popped into my head, but um, some people use use their sexuality. They use sexual intercourse or uh, uh, that kind of stuff. But anyway, family program. We won't talk about that uh, as as another way to release and ground what they're what they're um, what they're wanting. Um, but you can put it in a candle. So I, I've got the gratitude in my heart. I've got the feeling that I've got it. I'm excited about it. Uh, I've got the picture of it. And then I'm going to hold on to a candle and I'm just going to put the, I'm just going to put the power of my mind and my energy into that candle for that outcome. And then I'm going to speak words over it. Uh, you know, I declare I have, uh, health and wealth and blessing and whatever, right? My new car, my new home, <laughs> my new husband, my new wife, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Brittany Hill says you mean sex magic. Yep. And uh, and you charge the candle and then you light the candle and let it burn down. But th so so where people miss it, it's kind of like everybody knows you got to believe you got it. The feeling is a secret. You got to imagine it, that kind of stuff. What some people don't really get and why they get messed up in the process. They haven't fully decided and fully committed to the outcome that they want. Number one. First mistake. Second mistake is. They haven't grounded it in something in this earth. And the third mistake is they can't let it go and just let it happen. Like once it's done, it's done. And then you just let it go and you just wait until it comes to you. So, yeah, Marianne says uh, use gemstones. Sure, exactly. Charging gemstones. Sex is wonderful. Completely agree with you. Um <laughs> So I think most people do. Not everybody. I, I get it. There's some asexual people out there, and we love you. God bless you. You're probably more evolved uh, than I am, for sure. So those are some things to help you. And then and then not being able to let it go and just let it come to them. Uh, almost getting too hung up in the process, too hung up in the house, too involved with trying to make it happen, and uh, or or. Uh, getting stuck in those old mindsets. So for you to manifest something, so like, for example, if you've had a problem that you perceive as being permanent because you've had it forever, you've, you've always been broke. Uh, maybe you're the person that you seem to always get. You're just about there to the next level. Something good is just about to break through for you in your life. And then the bottom falls out. You get to a certain level. Uh, this happened to us as a church. I noticed this early on that we would get 200, over 200 people, 250 people in the church. It would start growing and then we'd have an exodus and we'd be back down to a certain number again. We'd be back down to 150 or something. We never had a church split, but we did have a lot of uh, what uh, one preacher, uh, John Osteen, Joel Osteen's daddy, John Osteen used to say every church needs to have a good backdoor bowel movement. Um, I, I think it's a terrible, terrible, terrible illustration because of what it puts on the people, but it's funny anyway. Um, so we would have people leaving constantly, uh, once we got to a certain level. And so I had to really explore that 
well, like, why aren't we growing? And if I was totally, completely honest, I did not want the visibility. I did not want the pressure. I did not want, I did not want all the things that came with success. I didn't want it. I wasn't afraid of it. I didn't feel like I had to have it. I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't want to have to deal with that many people. So I got comfortable pastoring between 150, 200 people at any given time. That's where my comfort level was. And that's where we stayed for years. And, and it was great. It was fine. We did other things to minister to people outside of the congregation. But as far as church members, I was very happy at that, at that place. So, but here's my point. If you've got something that's permanent in your life, you may have to break that apart in your belief system. Like that thing's permanent, not just physically around you. That thing's permanent in your brain. That thing's permanent in your mind. You keep thinking about it. You keep dwelling on it. You keep holding on to it. And so in this case, it's going to be really hard for you to manifest something else until you can break up those structures that are in your mind. So you can break up those structures that are inside of you. Uh, that are preventing, that are causing you to believe that that thing is permanent, that are causing you to dwell on negative outcomes. Maybe like me, you just weren't built in your temperament. Maybe you're only built in your temperament for a certain level of success and you're not, and you want to go to the next level, but there's so much pressure to succeed in our culture that you have adopted that cultural model of success and you feel like you have to or you feel like you need to or you feel like you ought to or you must but really your temperament is ugh I don't want to deal with all that responsibility I don't want to deal with all that attention like I could do a lot more on YouTube I could you know get I, I've got friends that have 200,000 followers, 250,000 followers, 350,000 followers on YouTube. And they've all told me, Aaron, when you get ready to really build your, your YouTube or your presence on the internet, let us know. We'll bring you on our show. We'll help promote your channel. Um, we'll give you a platform. One of the guys that's really popular was willing to do a podcast with me every single week. Uh, we talked about it. Um, I seriously thought about it, doing a podcast with him every single week that would have brought me boatloads of followers overnight. My YouTube channel is monetized. At the end of the day, guys, I'm not sure I want all that stuff. I'm still in the process of deciding. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on that stuff. I kind of enjoy, I just enjoy smaller groups of people. <laughs> and I'm quite content. And I love my job. And all that other stuff. So I don't feel the pressure or the need to do those things. So I'm not out there trying to manifest those things. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Hopefully I said something here that was helpful. Maybe next time we can come back and talk about how to break up those mindsets that are problems for us. How to recognize those mindsets. How to break apart those mindsets. How to break apart negative beliefs about yourself so that you can do something else. So, uh, so you can be something else. So you can have something else. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, and you got to be cautious with law of attraction gurus. Chad says, "I'm sure that's true, Chad." Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Just like you got to be cautious with a lot of successful pastors. All right, guys. Namaste. Thank you. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for the feedback. Thanks for sharing this time with me. And uh, I will see you. Uh, I won't see you next week because next week is holiday weekend. So I won't be doing a live video next week. 
I'll be taking that time off to spend with uh, my family. So uh, anyway, namaste. God bless you. Love you. And uh, I'm out.